rose is not a rose to the left hemisphere. Hi, welcome to Mind Over Muddle. We're exploring what we can do to minimize cognitive conflict and confusion by learning to manage our minds, by learning how to balance the influence the two hemispheres of our brain have on how we think and how we feel. We've been exploring the unique perspectives of the right and left hemispheres of our brains. Now, in the previous episode, we introduced the mysterious case of Dr. P, as reported by Oliver Sacks in his book, The Man Who Mistook His Wife for His Hat. In his introduction to the book, Oliver Sacks demonstrates his recognition of the fundamental ways that left and right hemispheres interpret the world and how disruptions to the two hemispheres result in very different kinds of behaviors. Sachs points out that historically, quote, it was presumed, usually contemptuously, that the right hemisphere was more primitive than the left, and that the left hemisphere was seen as the unique flower of human evolution. And he agrees that in a sense this view is correct. The left hemisphere, as he points out, is more sophisticated and specialized, the very late outgrowth of the primate, and especially the hominid brain. On the other hand, it is the right hemisphere which controls the crucial powers of recognizing reality, which every living creature must have in order to survive. The left hemisphere, like the computer tacked onto the basic creatural brain, is designed for programs and schematics, and classic neurology was more concerned with schematics than with reality, so that when, at last, some of the right hemisphere syndromes emerged, they were considered bizarre. Note that Sachs refers to the right hemisphere as the creatural brain, an organic metaphor, and he compares the left hemisphere to a computer, a mechanical metaphor. These are apt metaphors for the frames of mind, if you will, of the two hemispheres, the right hemisphere is more comfortable with the organic, the left hemisphere with the mechanical. And importantly, Sachs recognizes that it is the right hemisphere that controls the crucial powers of recognizing reality, a skill that is fundamental to the survival of every living organism. As we learned in the previous episode, Dr. P literally grabbed his wife's head, thinking it was his hat. He mistook his foot for his shoe and his shoe for his foot. He lost the ability to recognize people's faces and yet saw faces where there were none, like on fire hydrants and parking meters. As Sachs points out, cases like the man who mistook his wife for his hat constitute a radical challenge to one of the most entrenched axioms or assumptions of classical neurology, in particular, the notion that brain damage, any brain damage, reduces or removes the abstract and categorical attitude, reducing the individual to the emotional and concrete. In the case of Dr. P., and the other cases in The Man Who Mistook His Wife for His Hat, we see the very opposite. With right hemisphere function, we see people who have wholly lost the emotional, the concrete, the personal, the real, and, as Sachs says, quote, have become reduced, as it were, to the abstract and categorical, with consequences of a particularly preposterous kind. 
Dr. P, as we said, could not recognize the faces of people he had known all his life. What his left hemisphere did was focus exclusively on individual features of a face. A nose, a chin, an eyebrow, not the entire face. The right hemisphere is the hemisphere that puts pieces together into a unified whole. Without a functioning right hemisphere, Dr. P could not put the multiple features of a face together into a full gestalt of a living, recognizable person. When Sachs asked him to identify photographs of his family, he, he recognized no one, except his brother Paul, who he picked out because of Paul's characteristic square jaw and big teeth. He used these details as a representation of Paul. Dr. P. lived in a world of abstract symbols. He had no trouble identifying abstract things, non-living artifacts, but found living entities confounding. It was though his left hemisphere talents were intact, but his right hemisphere skills had abandoned him. When Sack showed him a series of playing cards, Dr. P. could easily identify jacks, queens, kings, and aces. These were symbols of people, not real people. When shown cartoon caricatures of famous people, Dr. P. used the exaggerated features to grasp the concept of who was being portrayed, as he did with his brother Paul. He could recognize a picture of Albert Einstein because he recognized the, the frizzy hair and the mustache, or Winston Churchill because of a big cigar. Cartoons, as Sachs points out, are formal and schematic. But when watching TV, Dr. P. failed to recognize famous actors and was largely incapable of interpreting the emotions being displayed during a steamy seduction scene. He was mystified by the interactions of the actors, being unable to read their expressions or feel their body language. The right hemisphere is the hemisphere that recognizes faces, reads body language, and is capable of understanding the full gestalt of a unified image. These functions appear to be lost to Dr. P. The left hemisphere excels at breaking images apart and focusing on individual elements, which is exactly what Dr. P. was able to do. He could see the pieces, but not put the mosaic together to form the full picture. At one of his meetings with Dr. P., Oliver Sacks brought an extravagant red rose that he handed to his patient. Dr. P. responded like a botanist or a morphologist who had been given an unknown specimen. Dr. P. started to describe the rose. Uh, it's about six inches in length, a convoluted red form with a linear green attachment. Sachs asked what he thought the object could be, and Dr. P. seemed perplexed. Mm, not easy to say. It lacks the simple symmetry of the platonic solids, although it may have a higher symmetry of its own. Hmm. I think this could be an inflorescence, or a flower. Sachs suggested that he smell the object in his hand. Dr. P. looked a bit puzzled by the suggestion, but he complied and immediately recognized that he was smelling a rose. Oh, beautiful, what a heavenly smell. Sachs went on to hand Dr. P. a glove and asked him what it was, 
As with the rose, Dr. Pease saw the details that he tried to analyze, but was unable to bring all of the pieces together to suggest the unified object. Well, there is a unified surface unfolded on itself that appears to have five uh, outpouchings, if this is a word, that is perhaps a container of some sort. Yes, said Sachs. And what would it contain? Well, <laughs> it would contain its contents. There are so many possibilities. It could be a change purse, for example, for coins, uh, five sizes. It could... Uh, and Sachs interrupted and asked, Do you think it might contain, might fit, a part of the body? Dr. P. remained mystified. He saw nothing as familiar. He was, quote, lost in a world of lifeless abstractions. As Sachs notes, the psychologist Eulings Jackson discusses patients who have left hemisphere lesions and comments that their right hemisphere dominance causes them to lose abstract and propositional thought. When their left hemisphere is compromised, they lose the ability to create abstract representations. Dr. P., who seemed to suffer from right hemisphere dysfunction, has the opposite problem. Without the contribution of his right hemisphere, all his left hemisphere appears capable of doing is seeing the world as a collection of abstractions, disconnected fragments, a shattered mirror that no longer reflects a unified image. Dr. P. functioned precisely as a machine functions, says Sachs, it wasn't merely that he displayed the same indifference to the visual world as a computer, but, even more strikingly, he construed the world as a computer construes it, by means of key features and schematic relationships. The scheme might be identified uh, in an identical way, without the reality being grasped at all. The left hemisphere is the hemisphere of the machine metaphor. It likes certainty, predictability, standardization, and routines. The left hemisphere takes the living world and breaks it apart into what it imagines are its component parts, like a child taking apart a clock to see how it works. But once the deconstruction has occurred, the left hemisphere is incapable of reassembling the parts in any meaningful way. It cannot restore life to the original organism. Once deconstructed, the organism is robbed of life and is reduced to a collection of disconnected artifacts. The rose is reduced to a convoluted red form with a linear green attachment. The left hemisphere, dangerously, is disturbed by nature and natural organisms. Nature is too complicated, too hard to pin down, and too unpredictable. The left hemisphere cannot grasp that a flower is a living, growing organism that is animated by life and as such is connected to the soil and the sun and the rain. The left hemisphere is comforted by being able to measure and quantify what it experiences. The first reaction to the rose was that it was an object about six inches long. It had identifiable colors, one part red, the other part green. Nature is hard to quantify. The number and size of arbitrary components does little to explain the nature of a living organism. 
when building a machine, say a computer, it's quite useful to know that you will need a specific number of computer chips and that they must be arranged in a specific order and activated in a specific sequence. But such knowledge, which is what the left hemisphere specializes in, is of little help when trying to appreciate the unique miracle of an individual rose. There is another interesting difference between people who have lost use of their left hemisphere versus those who have lost function of their right hemisphere. People with left hemisphere dysfunction, that is, right hemisphere dominance, are generally aware of their disability and fight like hell to restore their lost capabilities. Think back to the example of Jill Bolte-Taylor, who was featured in an earlier podcast. She had a massive stroke in her left hemisphere and functioned for eight years with only the capabilities of her right hemisphere to guide her. But her right hemisphere was the one that was capable of understanding the reality of what was happening to her. Her right hemisphere could grasp the big picture and could therefore recognize that something was wrong. Half of her cognitive abilities were absent. The right hemisphere understood that a healthy and complete person needs the contributions and collaborations of both hemispheres. Under the guidance of her right hemisphere, Jill Bolte-Taylor spent eight years painfully retraining her left hemisphere to regain its lost abilities. The opposite, however, is true when the right hemisphere is lost and people must rely exclusively on their left hemisphere. The left hemisphere is quite happy living in its own virtual reality world, even if that world is devoid of any right hemisphere contributions. When there are the inevitable gaps of information, the left hemisphere confabulates. It makes up facts to fill in the gaps. It fabricates a seemingly plausible story that it believes 100% and thinks that all is well. Dr. P. grabbed his wife's head, thinking it was his hat. He patted the heads of fire hydrants and parking meters as though they were charming children or cute little dogs. He conceded that from time to time he made mistakes, but he saw nothing really unusual about this. Everyone makes mistakes. Unaware of their deficits, or ingenious at rationalizing their odd behavior, people with right hemisphere dysfunctions that is, people with a dominant left hemisphere, make no effort to correct their dysfunctional behaviors. They don't see themselves as dysfunctional. They are blind to their deficits. As Sachs puts it, quote, Dr. P was not fighting, did not know what was lost, did not indeed know that anything was lost. People with left hemisphere dominance have lost their grip on reality but have no idea that their behavior is in any way abnormal. Well, thank you for joining me. Remember, if you want to learn more about MindRamp, you can go to our website at www.mindramp.org. I hope you will join me next time. Until then, may you live long and live well. <laughs>